My grandmother, Martha Ray, had a particular way of expressing her anger. She'd look you in the eye, turn her head, and she would say, I am not happy. <laughs> you never forget that. <laughs> and Jesus is not happy today. He and his disciples have arrived at the temple in Jerusalem to observe Passover. John identifies it as a Passover of the Jews, which indicates that he's either writing to a non-Jewish audience or that he's pointing toward what will become our Passover, the death and resurrection of Jesus, or maybe both. One of the hallmarks of John is that he writes with a perspective more than 50 years since the crucifixion and some 20 years after the Roman destruction of the Second Temple during the Jewish revolt in the year 70. So we see statements such as the disciples remembered and the idea that Jesus is the temple of God, not just the building being the temple of God. Jesus and his disciples enter the court of the Gentiles, which is the outer court of the temple, before going inside the main portion where Jewish men and women are able to worship or where sacrifices are offered to God. What they encounter is commerce conducted in support of temple practices. And it is an important part of the temple economy because Gentile coins usually had an image on them. None were allowed to pay the temple tax required for all adult Jewish men or to purchase animals for sacrifice. Therefore, money changers are necessary and Gentiles did that work. Conceivably, when the practice began, it would have been a high but fair price or exchange, but you know how these things go. It's like my internet bill. The company charges to change money, not really, but it's an example, which is initially a fair deal, costing you a tenth of a shekel. Now they will tack on another half a shekel for my cable box, another half for a modem, and then they charge you a quarter shekel for Netflix, and so on, and so on, and so on. Oh, and last year's contract is no longer my good deal. Eventually, it costs two, day wages, two, two days of wages to watch TV that used to be free, as long as you had rabbit ears on your set or an antenna on your house. Jesus saw this unfair practice, and he was angry. He also saw the sale of unblemished animals for sacrifice as a means of threat, of theft. Yes, the ones offered for sale at the temple were unblemished, but what if you were poor from far away and brought your own unblemished sheep? It would have to be examined and determined by temple bureaucrats that indeed it was without fault. Rarely would a sacrifice brought to the temple be acceptable. Of course, the price of the temple animal was far and above what a poor person could afford. But that's what you paid for piety. These circumstances did not occur overnight, but accumulated over time during the building of Herod's second temple and with the worship practices within the temple. The slow creep was crushing the faithful in a place that was holy ground and the sanctuary for God's chosen. So let's think about the court of the Gentiles for a moment, the outer court. Within this court, the economic needs of the temple were fulfilled. Perhaps this could have been taken uh, place in an area outside the temple, close by, 
but no evidence occurs. My guess is that it was a political decision because it just doesn't make sense. <laughs> At the same time, the responsibility of the nation of Israel given to them by God was to bring all nations to God. Imagine that when you invite someone to your house of worship, it's noisy, crowded, commercial, smelly, bloody. It certainly was not prayerful or contemplative or welcoming. It's not the way to bring the nations into the sheepfold. It is like having all of this occur in the narthex of the church as we enter the nave. Who would want to come to our church? Why would I want to worship that God? So Jesus cleans house. Note he states, stop making my father's house a marketplace. Not a holy place as intended, but a common and secular place. Jesus deliberately makes this statement about his relationship with God in the public arena and about holy ground as it is being used now. This is my father's house, he further drives home the point. In this moment, we see Jesus, the reformer, just a few paragraphs before in the gospel, we see the first sign at the wedding of Cana, which reveals God, Jesus' glory. He turns water into wine. He is the son of God. His disciples believed him. In Cana, Jesus, Jesus turns what could be a social disaster, running out of wine at a private wedding party, into a moment of revelation. Here Jesus is the role of the prophet, telling the temple authorities what they're doing wrong. Whether the system is intentionally corrupt is hard to say. On paper, all the boxes are being checked off, <clears throat> the sacrifices are being made for Passover, but the process has evolved away from the intent of worship in a way that debases the worship of God and inhibits devotion to the Father. Jesus' disruption of the money changers and those who sell the animals for sacrifice, <clears throat> excuse me, <clears throat> is a significant revelation of his power and authority and points to the separation of God's people from God. The temple processes are a stumbling block for the relationship of Israel to their God. And Jesus can be the prophet of reform in our lives, in our church, and in our personal daily work, pointing to thoughts and habits and practices that don't please our Lord. Think for a moment about things in our lives that are stumbling blocks or need tending to, tidying up, removing things that inhibit our relationships and distract our lives from the focus on God. In our homes, we have places that are zones of accumulation or areas that are not fulfilling their purpose. Think about your home as a metaphor for your life. In my home, the dining room table is central. Like most families, it's where my son and I gather to share meals and talking about important things. My dining room table also tends to be my zone of accumulation. Sometimes my table's not physically clear of things that don't pertain to the meal and to relationship. It distracts me from the time that we have together and from sharing meaningful conversation. I need to change that. I need to clean up that part of my life and make it right. I won't upend my table like Jesus did, but I can commit to correction. 
Next, think of the front door in the hallway where we greet and welcome friends. Social ties with our neighbors are important to our lives. Have we written a note to a friend we haven't seen for a while? Are there people we know or family members that might need a little attention? Are there relationships that we need to repair? You can make that happen soon. And your office, whether it be in your home or if you have an office away from your home or both, professional connections lead to great change in our community. Are those connections strong? Or could you shore them up a little more so that Christ can work through you in places other than the church? Do you have thoughts or ideas that would benefit the community? If so, share them with others. The Holy Spirit is nudging you to help create something new. And finally, how about your closet or cupboards? I know there's an item on the top shelf that's been sitting there for a while. It might be time to examine that item. That item might be an old habit or thought that may no longer be relevant to you or no longer fit your relationships. It's time to purge. Or maybe it's time to reconcile that idea or thought and reframe it into something new and life-giving. Or maybe you lack something. Ask for what you need. Patience? Love? Maybe there are things in your cupboards that you have been holding on to that make you very happy and provide meaning for you, but you've kept them secret. Now is the time to bring that item down from the back of the top shelf and share that part of yourself with the world. Lord knows we need more good things in the world. <coughs> Lent is that opportunity to upend old ideas and ways of doing things and refresh our lives. It's time to rediscover that Jesus loves you and that, they, that you are worthy enough to be sacrificed for. Lent is a time to remove those layers upon layers and move aside those hurdles in your life, those things that keep us from knowing our God more fully and loving him through Jesus. Lent is our time to prepare for the raising of a new temple, the resurrected Jesus. So turn those tables over for a journey on a path closer to God's will with the help of the Holy Spirit through Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. Amen.